0: This is John Murphy, I'm John Murphy, right? And you're listening to the best bitch podcast, the best fucking podcast in the fucking world. And i old telling you no, chock-a-dum. there's no better podcast out there. I know. Ever since my magic left me, I've been in depression at the pressure to stop myself and talk myself. I've been listening to everything. Keep the laugh, because nothing bitch, the best bitch fucking podcast. Tell your friends, your family, the folks on the fucking road. Get up and down the street and tell them all. I've been listening to everything. I should be number one in the charts. I don't understand why it's not. I blame all you motherfuckers there who rules to this not actually doing any dead. Get the lads to number one. That's where they deserve to be. Number one, they lost out the independent podcast awards, now was fucking steaming over it. Mobilize, get behind the buys. They've gotta get all the way to the top of the chance. For fuck's sake, everything depends upon it. When it comes to film podcasts are just podcasts, two funny fuckers, the best bits podcast is the best fucking podcast to be. I love it, love it, love it. They also have a Patreon, but I'm not signed up to that because magic cleaned me out. So I got no money on me. Fucking we
1: are is I still love them. Kevin, I'm going to send you a shotgun for
2: Christmas. So you I'm can I'm going to remove it. I'm going to, just give me two seconds to remove it. It's the bird feeder. And I just filled it up. Okay. The pigeons, I tried to starve them off to like not yes. have them there. But right. then the little birds were coming along and they're the ones <sighs> who want to feed. But they get scared yeah. off by the pigeons. So. You know what you need to do? Now, you need to go undercover as a hawk.
1: Right, you need to get yourself a hawk costume. I was thinking, parts I was thinking
2: about getting a Halloween mask and just hanging it in the window so that they wouldn't come near it. You, you need to go undercover as a bird, a bird of prey. That's just just staying in the simplest...
1: episode. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, give me two seconds. Go and deal with it. <laughs> this is what this is what I have to put up with, folks. As soon as I go on an episode, Kevin finds about seventeen. 17- different things that's that needs to be done. Oh my battery's batteries gone on my headphones. Oh the fucking oh the fucking birds are fucking pecking up my window. Oh Jesus. Are you mocking me? Yeah, I said the underwear's riding up the crack of my hole. I'm not wearing any underwear. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Best bitch. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you wart faced buffoon. What you just said
3: is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.
4: You are stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. It.
3: Don't call me
1: stupid. Hello and welcome to the best bits a movie podcast where we pick our favorite scenes from randomly selected weirdly specific themes this is your co-host will a writer of three films a christmas special and a star wars and i am joined once again by my co-host fellow undercover agent writer of one and a bit films and three and a bit episodes of tv kevin hello kevin how's it going there it's me
0: Deep (laughs) toast. Who the fuck is this? I've got information for you, will.
1: Good. Right. Okay. Right. What's it pertaining to?
0: Undercover scenes.
1: Oh shit! Brilliant. I'm so glad you're here. This is the topic we're covering today, Kevin.
2: Yes. (laughs) Undercover fucking scenes. I got it. You've unmasked me, so I may as well. I may as well drop the facade. It's me. It's been me all along.
1: You're going to be taken out and shot. now. you're going to be you're going to be snuffed out. Finally, be wiped off the face of the earth. I'm fucking sick of everything, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> Kevin, undercover scenes. Yes, I'll tell you something. No, I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. No. Well, that's the I'll end of the episode. <laughs> I
2: loved this topic, dear. I'm glad you got it then. Yeah, yeah. Because I
1: actually really enjoyed a bunch of these films. I was doing my research. Good.
2: Yeah. Do you know why? Because they're inherently dramatic. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you actually took those exact words out of my mind.
1: They're inherently bloody dramatic. You know, there's uh, incredible, I'm going to use this word, I'm sure, a million times this episode. Shite. There's <laughs> <those> incredible tension. <laughs> incredible tension that's elicited from the simple act of either a wolf in sheep's clothing or a sheep in wolf's clothing depending on the particular instance yeah you have that tension of a character pretending to be someone else in an organization or location where if they're found out shit will hit the proverbial sp- rotating device fan thing That sh- <laughs> the thing you, you get right a fan now is more than anything else yeah <laughs> i was i was getting caught up in my own fucking bullshit but the, I was also wanted to say The thing you wish you had More than anything else right now A fan
2: Yeah But I was not going to reference the heat Because this will probably come out in January So
1: Possibly yeah
2: The thing that I like about them Is there's an mm. awful lot of very sexy Sexy cross-dressers Oh Big mama <laughs>
3: What's greens give you gas? Something wicked. Last time I had been over for greens, I had to re-wallpaper. Ooh, I've been me show you to your car.
1: Kevin, what you were pointing out there is so true because the stereotypical idea that we have in our head about undercover scenes is that we have a cop in with the bad guys, yeah. right? But in actual fact, there are undercover scenes in
2: every type of genre of film. Their undercover scenes are great in comedies. Can I put some parameters on this? Because I think that f- to do an undercover scene, we, it has to be the protagonist that is doing it. So it's not like trying to unmask somebody else who's you know, masquerading as, somebody else, as, as some other character.
1: But I'll allow you to put parameters on it as long as, they don't, as, long as my picks don't violate your parameters. So work away.
2: Well, with like um, the Maltese Falcon, for instance, where there are other characters who are um, trying to pull a fast one On Humphrey Bogart's character that to me wouldn't be an undercover like
1: I get you yeah yeah yeah. that you're it's not Humphrey
2: Bogart that's under who is pretending to be somebody else in order to achieve some sort of uh, um, task Uh, so for me it's the protagonist and we're with the protagonist we're with them yeah we know that they're not who they say they are and the tension is like are they gonna pull it off and it's either very very funny that they're doing it or it's incredibly like suspenseful and you're shitting bricks because if they get found out there's going to be some blood spilt
1: Mm -hmm. and also for my picks what I've done is I've selected films where the protagonist is undercover for most of the film. So it's not, they're not just undercover for a little bit. Okay. They're undercover the for most of the film. So it kind of, it, you can go whichever way you want, Kevin. But just for me, I kind of use that as a parameter for myself to say, oh, that's kind of primarily undercover is the primary thing that's happening in this film. Yeah. Um, I've just got um, ones that I don't think you're going to mention. Good. That's great. Yeah. I like color. I like uh, a plethora of options, Kevin. Um, <laughs> the things I lack like about these undercover scenes, I've picked some Are of my you favorite scenes. right now? Is that, is that I'm voices? undercover as someone I, I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> some of the things I lack, some of the types of scenes, some of my favorite scenes, having watched a whole load of undercover movies, right? Oh, I've got best us, mate.
2: scenes. <laughs> I'm gonna go on the covers dive.
1: This is my best cockney accent. Alright. Hello. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have myself a little flat cap. Hello, sweet. And uh, <laughs> I'll have short uh, little uh, tweed short trousers and old hobnail boots. Hello, governor! Looks like This is
0: me, undercover. Ollie Moors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when I was watching all those undercover scenes, the most entertaining or most... Uh, the ones that gripped my attention the most were a couple of different types, right? there were the ones where you have your characters infiltrating the organisation, right? So they have... This is them being on the outside, having to find a way into the inner folds of whatever organization they want to go into, you know? Mm -hmm. So whether it be that undercover cop trying to find a connection to go into the organization, uh, uh, they're always incredibly dramatic. There are scenes which uh, they, once they're actually in the scenes where they're almost caught because you have to see them like spinning plates or like thinking on their feet and it's incredibly exciting. And then the other scenes, which I absolutely love, were the ones where the the mask fully comes off and the betrayal uh, is finally revealed. And those are always just like the the apex or the climax of these types of stories. Yeah. They're always pretty pretty fucking good. But I'm going to bring us back to the beginning, right? It just started. (laughs) The first one. (laughs) And the type of scene that I like—the oh, type of scene that I well, like I. to start us off—are <laughs> the scenes where we have someone infiltrating the organization. You right? just said that, right? Well, I'm bringing us back to that <laughs> okay. one, right? I'm bringing us back to that one, okay? And uh, and what is what also happens in these stories is you have generally you see some sort of change in a character when they go in, right? You might have a character who do you know why that is tell me because they're pretending to be somebody else that would be it and <laughs> them trying to walk in the in the shoes of someone else for a while yeah changes their changes their Moloch, changes their personality yeah and they become corrupted or they become in this in, in the instance of the my first pick they will become enlightened better okay. enlightened and better and my first pick kevin i want to see if you can guess it Came out in 1982. 1982. Directed by Sidney Pollock. Tootsie. Tootsie. Yeah.
3: Let me tell you about my client, Michael Dorsey. He was a fine actor. Maybe a great actor. But for every role he wanted, there was a reason why he wasn't right sorry you're too tall i can be shorter no I can't use you too short oh i can be taller too moody next too old too stubborn you're too much trouble too tough too temperamental too pushy too difficult michael no one will hire you just watch me But boy did he show us He auditioned for the female lead on a soap opera and became the hottest new actress in America. And you know what? No one knows his new identity, not even the girl he's madly in love with. Soon everyone will know that she's Dustin Hoffman and he's Tootsie.
2: I avoided it for the longest time because it had Dustin Hoffman on the front cover in a red sequin gown, you know, posing against a US flag and I thought "Mm, that's not for me I was like going through every other film before then but it was Sidney Pollack that made me want to watch it Sidney Pollack for me is I'm not going to say spectacular he is such a great character actor there's something about the way that he delivers lines and I remember catching Mm -hmm. a scene with him playing Dustin Hoffman's agent and he's just so droll and so matter of fact and I think he would have been a great leading man um, if he didn't just focus on directing. So, because I caught that scene, I thought this is actually really fascinating. Trivia about that.
1: He had stopped acting for quite a while, Sidney yeah. Pollock. And he was brought in as a director kind of last minute. You know, they'd gone through a couple of, it was in development hell for a number of years. And it was Dustin Hoffman who was the person who had creative control. He'd a lot of clout at that stage. And he was the one who insisted, once Sidney Pollock was brought on as director, he insisted that Sidney Pollock take on that role and Sidney Pollack re- resisted for the long, for the lar- the longest time until eventually he went okay fair enough I'll do it keeps you happy because it's not my creative control
3: okay look I sent you a play to read that my roommate wrote. it had a great part in it for me did you read it where the hell do you come off sending me your roommate's play for you to star in I'm your agent not your mother I'm not supposed to find plays for you to star in I'm supposed to field offers and that's what I do field offers who told you that the agent fairy That was (sighs) a significant piece of work. I could have been terrific in that play. Michael, nobody's going to do that play. Why? Because it's a downer, that's why. Because nobody wants to produce a play about a couple that moved back to Love Canal. But that actually happened. Who gives a shit? Nobody wants to pay $20 to watch people living next to chemical waste. They can see that in New Jersey. Look, I don't want to argue about it, okay? I'm going to
4: raise the $8,000 myself so I can produce his play. And I want you to send me up for anything. I don't care what it is. I will do dog commercials on television. I will do radio voiceovers. Michael, I can't put you up for any of that. Why not?
3: Because no one... Will hire
4: you, oh, that's not true, man. I bust my ass to get a part
3: right, and you know I do. Yes, and you bust everybody else's ass, too. That's what you do. A guy's got four weeks to put on a play. You think he wants to sit and argue about whether or not Tolstoy can, can walk when he's dying or walk when he's talking or sing oh, please, when he's that walking? that was two or...
4: years ago, and that guy is an idiot. They and... can't
3: all be idiots, Michael. You argue with everybody. You've got one of the worst reputations in this town, Michael. Nobody will hire you. Are you saying that nobody in New York will work with me? Oh, no, that's too limiting. Nobody in Hollywood wants to work with you either. I can't even send you up for a commercial. You played a tomato for 30 seconds. They want a half a day over schedule because you wouldn't sit down. Yes, it wasn't logical. You were a tomato!
2: Yeah, he, a bit of a journeyman director, but uh, it, one of those kind of journeyman directors like Sidney Lumet where they're honest in how they direct. So it doesn't feel artificial or, um, you, know, you know, people like Gary Marshall or somebody like that where it, it's, it's sort of this idealised version of reality that can be a bit cloying. Hmm. Sidney Pollack would come in and he'd make it really gritty and real and that somehow makes it more fun then
1: yeah yeah I think he, he's a great screen he has an, an amazing cre- screen presence I loved his scenes with him and Dustin Hoffman where he's arguing with Dustin Hoffman about like why he can't get him hired by anyone not
2: just in New York but also in LA can I add a trivia point to what you're saying about Tootsie please do yeah yeah. which I always found very revealing and I get where he's coming from and I know that some people would have have criticized him for saying that but Dustin Hoffman was depressed when he saw himself dolled up in the makeup yes because he realized that he wasn't an attractive woman and therefore, mm-hmm. he couldn't get by on his feminine sort of like, you know, bat his eyelashes at the boys or, or just play up an exaggerated form of femininity. He'd have to become mm-hmm. an interesting character who looked yeah. the way that he looked. And uh, it completely changed his approach to playing Tootsie.
1: It also changed his approach to how he interacted with women because he realized how many, how many women he had dismissed because they weren't attractive And I just it, it, it highlights his Sexist bigotry as well Of course
2: But, no, but you know was, what it is Because I've experienced this It's pretty privilege You know Once you have it Yeah Like I Find that um, Life is just so much easier You know When you're pretty
1: yeah. I know you've, you've just swan through life Kevin Just based on those Glorious cheeks Yeah That incredible chin And my
2: face as well <laughs> <laughs>
1: For in case the trailer didn't do its job, in I think uh, you'd the make a very
2: attractive woman.
1: Oh, listen, I, I've I've, I've, I've done the uh, ladies' outfits once or twice in the past. Oh, have you, and yeah, and I'm just, I'm just saying this: fake nails and having to go to the toilet while wearing tights
2: are not a good. That actually sounds now like you've done it genuinely. I have done it, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gone in like, yeah, a, yeah. drag.
1: Yeah, for I did it for I. I'm trying to remember now. I, th- I did it, in, it was all in my college years. I think I did it for six experimenting or something like that. When I was experimenting, yeah. and, you know, every other Friday night, you know, that's all I'm saying, you know. But aside from that, you know, I, it's something might pass. I'm
2: by. going to send you a picture afterwards. That's me. No, it's not me. I'm even getting it mixed up in my head. It's a picture of my mom when she's 14. Okay. And it looks exactly like me when I was 18. Oh, wow. It's spooky. It looks like I'm wearing a beehive wig. Oh. <laughs> it's...
1: I have to see this. Oh,
2: canny. Like my cousins, my uh, cousins, Jennifer and stuff, they sent it to me in stitches. And I thought yeah. they'd Photoshopped it. I thought that this was like fake. And I was like, that's not real. It's like, no, that's a picture that Maura sent your mom. And uh, it's your mom at 14. And <laughs> it looks exactly like me. Imagine if you did. You, but so I think I'd to. look gorgeous. Uh, there you go. You could do
1: it. You could do it. Oh my god. Um in case Anyway, on the, the trailer. <laughs> in case the trailer didn't do its job of describing the general idea of like what's going on in Tutsi. Tutsi is about an out-of-work actor called Michael Dorsey, played by Dustin Hoffman, who secretly adopts a female alter ego called Dorothy Michaels. Guess what he did there? He flipped these names. In order to land a part in a daytime drama, in doing so, he unwittingly becomes a feminist icon and ends up in a romantic pickle. The infiltration scene in this that I loved was that moment when Michael Dorsey decides, fuck this. I am going to go out there and I'm going to get myself this job because he was at this audition. He was helping uh, Terry Garr, who I adore Terry Garr. I said it on our Discord that everything is so much better when, as every scene is better when Terry Garr is in it. She's fantastic. Yeah, there aren't goes, any Terry
2: Garr's these days. She's
1: amazing. Yeah. She's just wonderful. I just adored her in this film. I adore her and everything. But anyway, it's the scene when, when Dorothy Michaels shows up on the set of this daytime hospital soap. To try and get a chance uh, to have an audition for this part uh, as a hospital administrator. And he is immediately, or she is t- immediately dismissed by the sexist, bigoted director played by Dabney Coleman. Yeah, who is also the boss in 9 to 5. There you go, yeah. He tells her that she's too feminine looking. He's looking for someone a bit stronger. And he's escorting her, like, you know, grabbing her by the, the, the elbow and escorting her out the door. And she whips around on him. And Michael, the Michael in in, in, in Darcy Michaels turns around and just turns on him. Yeah. And she lets rip at him. And the female producer spots this and goes, I like the cut of her jib. And they give her a shot. And as soon as Darcy gets on set, she... Takes every opportunity to rip up the script, and rewrite her own dialogue, and is walking and thinking as an independent, strong woman. She didn't like that
2: line in the script where it said she's pretty but doesn't know it. <laughs> no, she hated that line. Dorothy Michaels. Yes. Yeah.
0: George Fields, your agent. Yes. Yeah. Okay, ladies, please bring your pages and follow me.
4: Read of this line that you have
3: every right to happiness. I hate it. Hi,
0: Ron, this is Dorothy Michaels, our director, on Carlisle. Oh, hi, And so our producer, Rita Marshall. How's Dorothy didn't bring a resume, but George Fields is her agent. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm. That's very impressive. Gosh, I'm afraid you're not right for this role, though, honey. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks for coming by. Page
0: 285, oh. do mm-hmm. you want camera one or two on that?
4: camera too, and tell art about that we why can't. am i not right mr Carlyle? well i'm just uh, trying to make a certain statement here and i'm, I'm looking for a very specific physical of
2: mr Carlyle. i'm an actress i'm a character actress i can play this part any way you want
4: honey i'm sure that you're you a very give me very, very an good idea actress what you're it's just for? that you're a little bit too soft what? and genteel you're not threatening enough not threatening enough how's this you take your hands off me or i'm gonna meet your balls right through the roof of your mouth is that enough of a threat Yes, I think I know what y'all really want. You want some gross caricature of a woman to prove some idiotic point like like power makes women masculine or masculine women are ugly. Well, shame on the woman that lets you do that on any woman that lets you do that. And that means you, dear, Miss Marshall, shame on you, you
0: macho shithead. Jesus.
4: What is idiotic about power making a woman masculine? Not that that was my point.
1: Michael Dorsey, who was a complete unbendable prick at the start of the film, basically, by walking in the shoes as Dorothy Michaels becomes a better human being because he has to, he sees the world from a different perspective, but also he learns to treat people differently, more compassionately. And there's wisdom in Dorothy Michaels that Michael doesn't have. He's incredibly sexist towards men and women. And by the end of it, he's, a much sounder person um, I like this film an
2: awful lot so that's my first pick Kevin okay I'm going to segue from that into another one which is a guy cross-dressing and it's Mrs. Doubtfire
5: hello dear hello oh. meeting!
3: Robin Williams a man who'd do anything oh. back off i oh. it's hot in here ah! to Thank see you. his kids Mrs. Doubtfire.
4: My first year as a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. Oh,
2: very good. Very good. Yeah. That's a great film. It's, it's a, a, a wonderful film that I don't think could get made today um, without a lot of pushback, I think. Um, if you go back and watch the film now, it seems a bit sketchy that Rob Williams yeah. decides to dress up as an old lady in order to be closer to his kids.
0: But it's, yeah. such,
2: a, it's such a fun. Enjoyable, um, the romp of a film. And the scene that I love in Mrs. Doubtfire is when he is almost caught by the uh, court appointed woman to see that if he's, you know, he is sticking to the terms that were set by the judge so he can get visitation with his kids. And mm-hmm. she turns up when he is halfway between transforming into Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh,
4: shit.
5: Oh!
6: Ow! Oh! Can I give you a hand? Oh, no, dear. I don't need a hand. I need a
0: face. A face.
6: Are you sure? Oh, definitely!
3: Really
5: know. I'm not a Muslim.
1: Miss Hillen, the water's boiling. Hello! Ah! Oh, I'm sorry to
6: frighten you, dear. I must look like a yeti in this get-up. This is my nightly meringue mask, part of my beauty regimen. What it is is basically egg whites... Creme fresh powdered sugar, vanilla, and a little touch of alum. There you go, dear. Oh, there you go. You've got your cream and your sugar now. It's a little cappuccino. One drop or two. Would you like another one? Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, as you can see, I can't stay with you, dear. I'm melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. There we go again. I'll go get Danny, all right? He'll be right with you. Hold on. Danny! Coming, sirs. It was lovely to have met you. Lovely to meet you.
2: Th- that whole film is just filled with fantastic moments I also like the moment where he's um, pissing uh, standing up like uh, oh, yeah. I, I found that like very titillating and quite funny um, <laughs> and a scene where he has to do the two dinners he has got. He has
1: a dinner with Pierce Brosnan but also he has a dinner with you know he's he's, he's in the same restaurant and he has to constantly that is
2: so good and he's to- like when you're talking about building towards something in a script and you've got a character has to pretend to be he's Two different people, then the only way, the only place where you can get to with that story that's going to be the most dramatic is that he has to be in two places at once.
6: Can I help you, man? Oh, sorry, I'm late. But after all those scotches, I had to piss like a racehorse. <laughs> mm.
4: Daniel. Yeah. Why in God's name are you
3: dressed like a woman?
6: Well,
1: I'd like you to meet the host of your new show. If you were ever doing an undercover story, you absolutely have to have your character forced to spin multiple plates at the one time and everything starts to wobble. You need that moment where all the plates are wobbling and they're like, and they're, they have to think on their feet and just either completely fall apart or just about get away with it. Those... Scenes are incredibly entertaining and engaging to watch. And that one's great.
2: Pierce Brosnan is brilliant in that film as well. <clears throat> he plays a great
1: foil. Just before, I think it's because of that, he got back, he got called back in to do GoldenEye. I think Chris Columbus kind of was doing work for the Broccoli's. Oh, really? And yeah. And even though he was previously he was supposed to be cast, but it was Chris Columbus who kind of like re, uh, you know, uh, refreshed the Broccoli's and, uh, about, you know, Pierce Brosnan said you should really look at Pierce he's available go for him um, Bond of course that's a great- goes
2: undercover a lot but he goes undercover as himself yeah that's
1: the fucking I wasn't go- I was thinking about Bond and I went no you can't go Bond because every time he goes undercover he goes my name is Bond James Bond <laughs> he always uses his own fucking name I yeah, don't
2: get it can I can I also now segue because there's, there's certain actors that keep popping up in okay. undercover um, types of films Mm-hmm. and Robin Williams is also in another one which I don't think you're going to bring up but when I was trying to think of like ones where for me I love the ruse I love when I'm in on the secret with the character and uh, and you're just watching them sort of sweat and yeah. the other one with Robin Williams but this is one where he's not um, on the cover it's Nathan Lane and it's the birdcage
3: Pop I'm getting married oh, it's a girl I met her at school. It's this wonderful, uh, what do
6: you, are you upset? But let me tell you why.
1: Don't use that tone to me.
4: What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year.
3: Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh,
4: Kevin! Yes, and so have I. Oh! Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do fussy,
0: fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You know, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna.
4: But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. <sighs> you take your knife, and you smear. Men's me, me, That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Get the, ah! the pinky down. I pulled the knife boldly in yes. my strength. Oh, ah! no, God, I pierced the toes.
5: Oh.
4: Al, you old so-and-so. How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed? Bewildered? Call me. Perfect. Won't you come in?
0: Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, come here and give me a hug.
5: I've
4: never felt such a tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Oh God, it's a nightmare. Get up, everybody, Something about the father and the
0: skull. I can't put my finger on it's it. Nothing. It's nothing. What do you mean? It's, it's nothing. It is Death. something. It is nothing.
5: Something very strange is going
1: on. Oh, God. I haven't watched that since it came out. Oh, it's very, very funny.
2: It's a remake, of course, of the French film. But um, Gene Hackman and Robin Williams and Hank Azaria and he's pretending to be Robin Williams' son's mother. Right. um, Because Gene Hackman and Diane weist they're very conservative. So... Mm -hmm it would be perturbing to them if the son-in-law, the potential son-in-law's parents were a gay couple. So Mm -hmm. in order to get through this dinner, Nathan Lane pretends to be um, a a woman, and it's very, very funny. You are the
0: most gracious hostess. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm having such a wonderful time. This is just what I've always dreamed of. A big, loving family gathered around the table, just the way it was when I was a
4: girl. Yes, that's the way we grew up too.
0: Oh, it was a wonderful world then, wasn't it? Happy families and... Everyone's speaking English, and no drugs, and no AIDS. Easy on the wine, (laughs) What interesting China.
6: Why, it looks like young men playing leapfrog. Is it Greek?
0: Oh! I, I, I have no idea. I've never seen these bowls before.
4: Really? Barbara, get me my glasses, will you, dear? They're in my purse by the chair.
3: Where are my glasses? It is Greek. Yes. uh, Greek boys, actually. Uh, Naked Greek boys.
0: And girls. Don't you have any girls on your ball? I have one. So do I. Yes. Uh, Oh, oh, look. Senator Keely there. I I think that's a girl.
4: Then it's been a long time since you've seen one.
3: That's a boy. I may need glasses, but I can see that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I love that stuff. I love when people are pretending to be somebody they're not. I just find it very, very funny.
1: What I like about that film is that, like Robin Williams is pretty much playing the straight guy throughout yeah. that. Like, he's trying to and, it up, and yeah, and and Nathan Lane. Usually, you would think of Robin Williams as the Nathan Lane character, but no, Nathan Lane just knocks it out of the park yeah. in that film, as I re- as I recall. I've got for a lot of That's comedy fantastic. ones, to be honest. With you I know, brilliance because I'm going to take us into darker territory later on. Oh,
2: okay, you? darker,
1: darker, seedier, just ugh, gritty, down and rolling in the muck. We've already talked about.
2: Hi.
1: Before we get there I want to give you another one of my picks which uh, highlights uh, a great infiltration scene but it's not from a fictional feature film it's from a documentary and it's from a documentary that came out about 10 years ago and it's called The Imposter We
0: found a kid here is about 14 to 15 years old the thought of what somebody could have done to him it gives you nightmares he doesn't
6: have no ID no documents on it he's very scary. From as long as I remember, I wanted to be someone
0: else. We had no idea what kind of person we were getting. He had changed so much.
4: There was just something wrong about it.
1: Who wouldn't see it? So in 94, a 13-year-old boy mysteriously disappears from his home without a trace. No, no evidence, no nothing. He's just gone. Then three and a half years later, he's found alive, but thousands of miles away in a village in southern Spain uh, with a, a horrifying story uh, of kidnap and torture his family then okay get get the news and they're overjoyed to ring bring him back home but not everything is as it seems and this isn't a spoiler to uh, tell you that the kid is not the kid who's he's a per- con man. Pret- pretending to be is an impostor yeah. yeah he's a con man
2: it is an incredible story and almost too true Be real. The weird thing about that though is that's happened more than a few times. Like there was a case in the 30s in Los Angeles where uh, I think Angelina Jolie played the mother in a movie. The Changeling. Changeling, yeah. Yeah. Where, and I I think that was the police did it. Um, Her son went missing. I think he was about 10 or 11. He went missing. And a kid on the other side of the country claimed to be her son. And they reunited him. And she's like, that's not my son. And they're like, no, it is no that's not my son and she had to um, take care of him even though he wasn't her, her child that is such yeah. a such a mind fuck
1: yeah in this instance it's, it's it's a very very interesting compelling documentary because the con man in question is uh, is front and center from the very beginning of the film he's uh, he's, French, he's a French guy called Frédéric Bourdain and he is telling us how he did it and how he, he infiltrated it's fucking amazing he just cowered. He just hid in a telephone booth until the police showed up on a rainy night. He kept his eyes kind of it's covered up. It's a very up. good documentary. Uh, it's very cinematic. It's, it's incredibly well made, yeah. yeah. And they kind of restaged and dramatized a lot of the events in a, a very uh, believable way. But he manages, when he's taken in by the, the, the authorities, he manages to convince them to leave him in an office on his own for a night right? He says, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know in the morning. I just need to, I need to be in the office and let me call, let me make it, have a telephone let me so can a, call people. Let
2: me get at the Google yeah. there. I need to look up some details. Yeah. This, is before, <laughs> know, this is
1: before Google. So what he does then, and this is all in the opening act, so it's not like, I'm not spoiling stuff yet. He gets on the phone and he starts calling police departments across America and describing, he's uh, pretending to be a Spanish officer who has picked up this kid matching, he's describing his own features and waiting for them to give him a missing person who matches his description and he goes with it. So he just accidentally finds one where, where this case of this 13-year-old kid uh, who went missing, Who the police are kind of saying, yeah, you kind of, he sounds like this kid who went missing is from San Antonio. And he goes, oh, send over a fax. So he gets this really grainy black and white fax of what the kid looks like and he's got black hair and brown eyes. He immediately, as soon as, things start to progress he immediately realizes like oh shit the kid had blonde hair and blue eyes how am i going to get away with this all i'll say is this is a fucking riveting documentary it has got multiple twists and turns and it does not go in the way you you expect so um i'm putting it out there it's a great great documentary it's only about an hour and a half but my god it's just some stale.
6: Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Lorraine speaking. How may I help you? Uh, We have a kid in a shelter.s Certainly is American. who is about 14, 15 years old. The problem is we don't know who he is. We don't know. I described myself. Uh, Every details I gave was details that I know that I could handle. I wanted to be vague enough for her to look at many different things. I wanted her to have many possibilities.
5: Let me just take a look here.
6: I got maybe something. She said. Maybe, uh, you know, we got a kid from San Antonio missing since June 13, 1994. His name is Nicholas Barclay. I said, could you send me a fax of uh, of what he looked like? In my head, I was just a police officer with, with, with Nicholas Barclay next to me, trying to confirm his identity, and like any other policeman would do. Let's see if it's him
2: you reminded me as you're saying that. um, Catch me if you can. Oh God. Yeah. They found out recently that most of that uh, story about him was fabricated. It was all bullshit, which makes total sense considering like what he was purporting to do. But um, Yeah. yeah, that's a great one where Leonardo DiCaprio is continually reinventing himself as different people in order to get through life and sort of better himself pretending to be an airline pilot pretending to be a, a surgeon it's an amazing film I, lo- I love the score yeah I love John Williams' score I,
1: I that is actually one of my favourite Spielberg films yeah it's if a very it's good on, I, yeah, 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 yeah I find myself just having to watch it I've watched that film so many times I love it so much it's the right
2: it's, the, it's writing the right line if it, if it tipped a little bit too uh, more sentimental it would have become very schmaltzy but it's it's, yeah. a, it's a good little suspense caper hmm The chase movie.
5: FBI.
3: FBI. Come out of the bathroom. Step out of the bathroom. Hands on your head. No, that's a new IBM Selectric. Put your hands here. on Change your head. print type in five seconds. Shut up! Pop out the
0: ball. Put your hands on your head! Put your hands! You know, he's got over 200 checks here. Hands on your head! He's drafting. He even has a little payroll envelopes. Put it to, down. to himself. Put man. it down. Drop it! Relax! You're late, all right? My name's Allen Barry Allen, United States Secret Service. Your boy just tried to jump out the window. My partner has him in custody. I don't know downstairs. what you're talking about. You think the FBI are the only ones on this guy? I mean, come on. Come on, he's dabbling in government checks here. Been following a paper trail on this guy for months now. Hey, you, you mind taking that gun out of my face? Please, really, I mean, it makes me nervous. You see some credentials?
4: Yeah, sure.
0: Take my whole wallet. <clears throat> you want my gun, too? Come over here, take my gun. Hey, hey, look, just do me a favor, take a look outside. Look, look out the window. My partner's walking into the
1: car as we speak, look. Do you have another pick, Kevin?
2: I do. So I've like got to... a few of them.
1: Please give me another one, Kevin.
2: I'm going to give you two from Whoopi Goldberg.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's done a couple. Yeah, Sister Act, of course.
5: Goes, I follow, I follow, I follow. I will
2: of course, yes. Love it. Love that film. I don't care what anyone says. It's just a, it's just a fantastic little comedy and. So much fun. They just did everything they were supposed to do in the right way, in the right order. And I am very, very fond of that film. And it's just, it's a feel-good film. I love feel-good films. And the other one, um, this was going to be my pick. But because I already chose a scene from this film in a prior episode in I Love You, I am not to mention it as my pick here but it's when Mae brown whoopie goldberg again in ghost has to pretend to be uh molly um patrick swayze's girlfriend in the bank in order to um withdraw money and uh right and it's very very funny when she is you know signing her own name instead of like the name of who she's pretending to be and patrick swayze's whispering in her ear so it's like it, it's like doing a spy scene where you've got the person in an earpiece telling you what to do but instead Patrick mm-hmm. Swayze so is right there and nobody else can, can see him except for her she can't even see him she's going to hear him so it really is like a spy thing
3: well Rita it looks like you'll be withdrawing four million dollars from us today
0: four million dollars say yes
3: say yes is that correct
0: yes yes Yeah, yeah,
3: yes, that's great. Easy, easy. Yes. Well, how would you like that?
2: Tens and twenties.
0: Pardon? Cashier's check. Tell him a cashier's check. I think better cashier's check. A cashier's check.
2: I think Ghost is a perfect film and it never gets the laurels that I think it deserves. I went back and re- I actually caught that film after
1: you brought it up on best I Love You scene. And uh, yeah, it holds up so well. It's, it uh, keeps
2: reinventing itself with different sort of tonal uh, changes and it moves into different genres. It's like a romantic suspense, comedy, thriller, slightly horror film, but very um, sentimental as well. And I just think it's a, it's a lovely experience, that film.
3: I need you to tell Molly what I'm saying, but you have to tell her word for word, all right? Word for word. Yes.
0: He wants me to tell you what he's saying word for word.
3: Molly, you're in danger.
0: You can't just blurt it out like that and quit moving around, will you? Because you're starting to make me dizzy. I'll just tell her in my own way.
1: Molly, you in danger, girl. No, I... I'll take the ball. I'll take the ball, right? And where I'm going to take us, Kevin, Ball burst. is I'm going to, I'm going to, (laughs) I'm not going to burst the ball. Wait, I just sat on this burst. I'm going to bring us now for the rest of my picks. It's okay, you got two. (laughs) The rest of my picks are all going down the kind of like the undercover crime route. Okay, so either a cop going into a criminal organization or a...
2: Yeah, it's either you've got You've got somebody being a snitch or a rat, yeah, or uh, yeah, somebody trying to entrap somebody.
1: There was a film that was on. Of course, when we we're doing these, picking our doing our research for this, we scour all the various lists out there. Do we? And thought, uh, well, I do one away, <laughs> or I just let Chat GPT just produce lists, and I just, just watch what Chat GPT tells. <laughs>
2: don't me. say that because people will believe it.
1: No, I don't.
2: I mean, that's obvious. Listening to us. Yeah.
1: Well, one film that came up in a couple of lists that I'd never heard of, which I ended up watching and ended up adding to my list, was a Korean film from
4: 2013, and it's called New World.
1: So it's a classic cop in a crime organization uh, story. And it is about an uh, an undercover cop who has. When we meet him, he is already infiltrated the organization. and He's near the top. Um, and this the scene that I like in this. It's really well shot. It's beautiful. It looks gorgeous. But the opening scene of this film is a torture of someone that's considered to be a rat. So it's the criminal gang torturing as some poor schmuck who's tied to a chair and they make him drink concrete. And it's really horrible. Like, you see it in, like, detail. So immediately, without having any kind of context of who these characters... That doesn't sound like a you film. No, well, it's not. I was repulsed by it. I was, like, horrified by it. So what that kind of, like, horrific torture scene does for the rest of the film is set a sense of dread and stakes for... When the if another rat appears, and so we end up investing in this character who is undercover, this uh Korean cop who is now kind of like almost like the third or fourth in command of this wing of a uh, Korean mafia, essentially. And basically, it's the scene in this film where our undercover agent feels like he is about to be found out or he's already been found out, and he is going to have to swallow the concrete, and I swear to God, you see the sweat trickling down this guy's face, who has been such a steady, cool individual all the way up to this, just coolly managing everything, all the 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 the, the personalities, and managing his cop boss and he's you know he's crime boss, and right now it feels like he's about to die, and how he reacts at that moment sounds like pitching. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. I'm telling you I was on the edge of my seat it's one of those moments where you're on the edge of your seat will he live or will he die
2: New World I'm going to watch that
1: it's good yeah it's good it's not at the top echelon of these films for me but it was very very good directed by Park Hoon Jun
2: I'm going to give you a villain one. Very interesting. Yeah. Tell me more. It's from another perfect film from 1998, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, starred Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Wild Wild West? <laughs> Men in Black. <laughs>
3: We work for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency.
2: We'll take it from here. Who the hell are you?
3: INS Division 6. There is no Division 6. Our mission is to monitor extraterrestrial activity on Earth.
4: You're only here because you're the best of the best. And we're looking for one of you. Hey!
1: What's up? I want to get some coffee. You want some coffee? No, thank, thank you. Me. I'm fine.
4: You <laughs> doing, thank you!
5: You guys get along
3: all right? No. Oh, all right, I'm in. From now on, you will have no identifying marks of any kind. We're no longer part of the
2: system. We
4: are the men in black.
2: You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. And it's Vincent D'Onofrio where he is a bug and he puts oh, on yeah. the skin of a human being and he has to pass as a human being. And it's a, it's a full body performance where he's walking funny and he's, you know, yeah. um, trying to pass himself off. And uh, I, when I was like writing down ones where I could think of, that's fun. That's fun. Because this is the stuff that I gravitate towards mostly instinctually. My first uh, uh, picks are always like stuff I would have loved to have written. So mm-hmm. I would have written something like that. And then I tried to like, dig a bit deeper and go. like, well, no, come on, Kevin. Say Donny Brasco, be cool. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to go Men in black. Vincent Nafio, where he's an insect. It's funny, man. Edgar, what on earth was that? Sugar. I've never
5: seen sugar do that.
3: Give me sugar. And
0: water. More.
3: More. Your skin is hanging off your bones.
2: this is my new the cover character how would you like you his performance is
1: brilliant in that' it is, man. It is
2: the best boots it he does
1: it it's brilliant because you actually do feel like there's something else under his skin that just isn't sitting right doesn't know how to get hasn't got it's like he's putting on this entire bodysuit and he's got his elbow jammed someplace or he's his jaw isn't properly connected. Yeah. And it's very it's funny. Like it's quite sinister. Even though it's goofy, it's quite sinister. Yeah. Like Bradley Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a gecko. My wife would disagree with you there. He, she thinks he's dreaming. Bradley
2: Cooper looks like he's got no solid bones under his skin. Oh, Jesus he, he looks like you could grab his face and it would squish it like, like, um, Stretch Armstrong, you could just like. I've seen him. I've seen him in real life, you know, Bradley Cooper.
1: A very he's very sort a handsome of like. Man. He's
2: very sort of like rubbery and spongy looking. He's a handsome man. I, bet, he, I bet he's very like like um, a salamander. I bet he's sort of very s- slimy as well. Hairless. <laughs> <laughs> no, on saying
1: that, there was this trail behind him when he walked. <laughs> there was this like shiny, shimmery trail on the ground that he left behind. So I listen. I don't know. It could be from him. It could have been
2: from. Something that was there previously I'm not saying that he's there. an inhuman Masquerading okay. as an A-list actor But there's right. something about him where I think Like where's the skeleton <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it
1: Hey <laughs> Hey Seeing as you brought it up I think I'm going to bring up the film you just mentioned And I'm going to make myself sound cool Right Okay. Uh, I have another example of a type of scene That I really enjoy And it's the Almost getting caught Scene Just like in New World That sense of a character Almost getting they caught The departed The thing And In Donny Brasco Oh Donnie Brasco Okay In Donny Brasco I said it first You did say it first But I'm taking it As one of my picks Because <laughs> it's on my list And now I feel cool
4: When I introduce you I'm going to say This is a friend of mine that means you're connected gang. Now if I said instead this is the a friend of ours, that would mean you were made gang. I when Lefty brought Donnie into his world. Who's this guy? This is this Donnie, guy. a friend of mine. He took a risk on a kid he hardly knew.
0: And I'm gonna have to school you, my friend. School me in what? Wise guy never carries his money in a wallet. He's always in a role. Being on the outside. He gave him his trust. You gotta get rid of that mustache
4: and get yourself a pair of pants. Trust. Just like me. He loved him like a son. Nobody can touch you because I represent you. Keep your nose
0: clean, follow the
4: rules, be a good owner, and maybe one day when they open the books, you could come a Wise guy. I'd die with you, Donnie. But he never knew the truth.
1: <sighs> but you know what? Don- Donnie Brasco, for me, it wasn't a brilliant film, right? It I had felt great the... moments,
2: though. Great sequences. Yes.
1: yes. And that's the, the one I'm going to highlight is one of those sequences. It's when Donnie, Donnie Brasco, he's an, who is an undercover agent, infil- it's a true story, infiltrating the Mafia, the uh, New York Mafia. They go to a Japanese restaurant, mm-hmm. okay? And it's their first time going to a Japanese restaurant. And Donny Brasco was wearing a wire, and it's old school. Don't it's the eat early, the late seventies.
2: That's all I'll say.
1: Don't what? Don't eat the wasabi. Yeah. Okay. And Donny Brasco was wearing a wire, but the fucking tape recorder, because it's, it's old school, he has to record it all on his person as well. So the tape recorder is stuffed down his cowboy boot, like the tape, uh, the wire is running all the way up his body. Imagine when
2: doing it in like the sixties, and they had like the big reel-to-reel tapes to be strapped on the back of yeah. like a backpack. Yeah.
1: You're constantly walking around with a backpack and says,
2: well, I need it for my medicine. Homer Simpson yeah. with the big
1: cowboy hat and big lens yeah. sticking up the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a boom bike. <laughs> Hanging around the place. But this scene is fucking brilliant because when they get in there, the, the maitre d' insists that they all take off their shoes. And all these tough mafia guys, they all just, you know, whatever. It's a new thing. They all take off their shoes. Except for fucking Donnie, because he knows as soon as he takes his shoes off, he's fucking dead. He's dead. And so what's incredibly entertaining about the scene is how he thinks quickly in the moment and and flat refuses to take his shoes off using his racial stereotypes, but also conjures the story. Of how his dad was killed by the... You've got to be quick in those
2: scenes. And the great thing about him is you can watch those scenes independent of the whole film and you immediately, you're invested, you're in. It's 100%. like that person's got a secret and they can't let it out. And you're like, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah. It's fucking
1: great drama. It is. And it becomes, he turns it from an almost getting caught into a badge of honor. A kind of a, like, you know, his, his, boss, his boss is Michael Madsen, who is a real fucking tough motherfucker. And Michael Madsen's trying to tell him, just take your fucking shoes off. And Donnie has to convince Michael Madsen of his honor, of how, like, you know, of I'm not taking my shoes off in respect to my father and leans into the story that he fucking manufactures in the moment. And Michael Madsen goes, I get you. And he drags the fucking matri into the bathroom. And they all go on, the, they all, rail on this poor innocent man who was just doing his fucking job. It's an incredible scene. It is. great scene. Is. Good
0: evening. How many? Five. Uh, dozo, this way, My wife says it's very injured. Please, have a seat. She read about it in parade no, man very, very big man. stop please, have a seat. take off shoes. Dozo, Please. Not really. What kind of food is, this? Fish. Fish. is Take off shoes. What are you kidding me? Take off your pants. the fuck that? I'm
6: afraid it's necessary. It's a Japanese tradition. Is that right? Well, oh, forget about it. I ain't doing it. I'm afraid it's necessary. Forget it. I ain't taking my fucking shoes off.
0: Hey, Donnie. What? What in Rome. wrong. Hey, Nicky. Who won the fucking war? Huh?
4: War? What war? Oh, we did. You want to fight it again? Take off your shoes. I ain't gonna do it. Daddy, take your shoes off. I taking my shoes off. What? I want to eat sometime tonight. I take off your shoes, I'm going to chop off your fucking feet. Son, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to take orders from a fucking Jap? Listen, I, I
6: had to grow up in an orphanage because my old man was killed down there in Okinawa, all right? You think I'm going to take my shoes off for this fucking prick? No, I ain't doing it.
4: I'm
2: afraid it's necessary.
4: Listen, uh. My friend's not gonna take off his shoes there, Mr. Moto. I'm and, afraid uh, is necessary. Neither are the rest of us, okay? So why don't you just give us a table before I
2: smack you? You must take off your shoes. Say one thing that I think is important for me to really love an undercover scene is that the person has to be completely exposed. They can't be covered up with like a, a, a mask or a costume. Mm. So for instance, like it's it's more throwaway and it's less impactful in something like Star Wars where they're dressing up stormtroopers in order to get past security or whatever. Yeah. Where but when it's somebody who's like it's you can see the bead of sweat forming on their forehead and they have to mm-hmm. Bullshit and blackguard their way. Um, I've done that actually. No, I'm thinking about it. I've done that as well. On this podcast. Well, yeah, definitely. In this, in this hour. I have definitely bullshitted in, in interviews. Absolutely.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've all had to
2: bullshit. Lie by head, omission. It's not what you say, it's what you don't say. And you just keep talking fast and, and diverting attention. When I was in thinking LA, I was telling people that I not only didn't have a car, but I couldn't drive
1: you blagged your way into being an intern uh-huh. in LA Kevin and I felt so like that's-
2: so sad no I felt so sorry for the um, assistant when she found out because she'd hired me and suddenly it was crucially important that I had to drive and pick up tickets for Tom Cruise and um, a Tom Cruise film for my boss and uh, and I was like I don't have a car she was like you don't have a car I was like yeah She's like, oh, you can take my care. Oh, yeah, I don't have a license. Oh, okay. It's okay. <laughs> you won't get stopped. Um, I don't know how to drive. And she was like, you don't know how to oh. drive? Oh, <laughs> my saw God. Her face fall, which she thought, like, she was immediately scrambling, thinking, shit, what am I going to do now? I've got to, I can't go. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I, I was such a charming and fun addition to the office that they, they let it slide. But, uh, <laughs> I ended up getting a taxi out a petty cash.
1: <laughs> she ended up getting fired
2: she didn't <laughs> Melanie Donkers she was so sound she was Canadian that's <sighs> why I think I got on her.
1: I'll do one more before I go to your pick okay Kevin okay alright okay of course a film that would have to be if we're doing a film about undercover scenes it would not be a complete list unless we included Martin Scorsese's 2006 film The Departed
4: when I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. What I'm saying is this When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference?
0: This is not the regular police!
2: This is the state police!
0: We are an elite unit. This is
6: who we're after. Frank Costello.
0: You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do?
4: You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Do you have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. When I had my associates search you. Ah! That was quick. Think he's dead already?
0: Get your hands off me.
4: I think we could work something out. So
1: The Departist came out 2006. It's a remake of Infernal Affairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very good film it is. it's It's not his it's far from his best film I
2: loved it I loved it I thought it was a really one of those great cinema experiences where the audience was and again I think on the cover scenes it's so graspable that even the dumbest people in the audience get what's at stake it's like, oh that guy is bullshitting and oh he's going to get found out but you have it going on on both sides and um, yeah and you could feel that the audience was invested in the film and Scorsese was like playing him like a fiddle and I, I loved it. I remember the audience just gasping when certain reveals and turns would happen.
1: Probably one that I'm going to bring up right now. Um, it's, for those of you who haven't seen I'm sure everyone knows what The department is. You've got two undercover, this is two undercover stories. You have Leonardo DiCaprio's character who is infiltrating a, a, a crime, Costello crime family and you have Matt Damon's character who has been raised by Jack Nicholson's Frank Oslo and he now is in the bloody the the local state police or whatever it is. So it's two concurrent uh, undercover stories and how they intersect and weave and knock against each other. It's a delight at times how they're just dancing around each other and just missing each other and all that sort of Yeah, there's a lot of fun to be elicited from this film. The scene that I fucking loved in it is the scene where shit is hitting the fan and Martin not Martin Scorsese but Martin Sheen is has to meet with Leonardo DiCaprio because everything is coming down on the rooftop and they're meeting on this abandoned in this abandoned building in a rooftop but characters on both sides know that this meet is happening so they're coming converging at the same fucking point all hell breaks
2: loose yeah this is the moment where the audience all like gasped
0: What the fuck? Was oh, that? fuck what did you what, you what the fucking fuck fucking see that? Saj, something just came off the building. What
3: the fuck? What do you mean something came off the building? Go again with that, it's Saj Something came off
0: the fucking roof. So I don't know what it was. So it's a fucking body. We can't car. get a visual. Do you want us to get out of the car? We got to get on foot if you want me to get up on this thing. Where the fuck were you?
4: What the fuck happened? You're fucking late. Get in the van. What do you mean something came off the roof? What the fuck's going on? I Where came the fuck to fuck meet you. What get the in the van. Get in
0: the van. I don't know, Sarge, but I got four-round men right out front. You want us to pursue? No, do not pursue. Stay in the car. Oh, fuck. No fucking I pursue.
4: I need some information. What came off the roof? This no pursuit. Bullshit. 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 Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: When you, when you want to be a screenwriter or, you, or you, you're so like into films, you, you're almost like feeding off the energy from the audience as well. And, and those things just stay with you. But I also remember there was like a, a, a woman's voice where she just sounded so profoundly sad that what yeah. happened was just like, oh, no. Because of the
1: characters, there's only two characters in the world know that Leonardo DiCaprio is, an, is a, an undercover agent. And it's, it's Martin Sheen and the foul-mouthed Mark Wahlberg, who also has a delight in this film. And of the two of them, you want Martin Sheen to survive. Mm-hmm. But spoiler, Martin Sheen gets thrown off the roof. And Leonardo DiCaprio turns a corner and is faced with his fucking squashed, bleeding out body, or fully bled out body, on the pavement. And has to... Um, is devastated but has to fucking react in the moment mm-hmm. as if he's to think on his feet in that mm-hmm. moment. I adored. It's, it's, it's so enjoyable to see a character Die. think faster than yours. <laughs> Not dying, but think faster than you can think in that moment. Yeah. You know, you
2: admire it. It's like, fuck, he gets out of that situation so quick. That's all screenwriting is as well. It's like you just get to put words in a character's mouth. That you wish you did. Yeah, if you just had a few seconds to think before you spoke which you yeah. never usually do in real life. So you get to play God a little bit and you can make characters be incredibly quick-witted. But yeah, that's a, a fantastic film. I, I don't get why people think it's like sub-par Scorsese. Maybe because it's more, it's in the realm of his like Cape Fear type films, you know, his, his crowd pleasers, where he's playing for the, for the multiplexes more than like the gritty house crowd. But I I loved it. He's just such a fucking he's such an entertaining filmmaker. I
1: I have a couple. of I had a couple of little gripes watching the film, but I still totally enjoyed it.
2: Like what? What were your gripes? But I'm
1: I'm not here. I'm not here to gripe. I wanna I wanna love that film because I do. I did really really enjoy it. I didn't think Vera Farmiga's character was served particularly well in in the in the story. She seems to be very reactive, and um, to both because she's in between both those characters. Um, and for a very for me, astute were-
2: and clever and insightful woman yeah also I think um, wasn't Matt Damon's character closeted I think or impotent impotent something like that and it felt like that yeah. she was a bit too naive
1: yeah that's that, that didn't ring through for yeah. me
2: but what an
1: entertaining uh, ride that film was it really was I love great. an entertaining ride <laughs> hey this brings us pretty much to the to the pointy end of the spear. And now, finally, I want to find out, Kevin, what, for you, is your best undercover scene?
2: I'm going to go with one where it's a protagonist and he is undercover for the entirety of the film.
1: Okay. And oh, let me think. Protagonist who's in the-, the entirety of the film.
2: Okay, go on. Right and it's a school based story okay
1: and are we going are we going are we going ernie <laughs> we're not we're not going kindergarten college.
2: i'm not <laughs> damn right thought i had it i'm going Go school on. of rock with jack black very very
1: good pick
0: with the rent by the end of the week he's out of here you wake me up for that come on dewey finn would have sold his soul for rock and roll but nobody (gasps) was buying you're an embarrassment you're out maybe it's time to give up those dreams don't you miss rocking out you're not a teacher ned you're the cross-dressing incubus from maggot death dewey i'm not a satanic sex god anymore
1: i'm a sub and soon i'll be a certified teacher Mr. Schneebly
6: I'm the principal here at Horace Green Prep and we need somebody to start immediately
4: Hmm. so how much are we talking
6: here $6.50 a week hello this is Ned Schneebly
5: everyone I'd like to introduce Miss Dunham's substitute this is Mr. Schneebly
4: all right look I've got a hangover who knows what that means
0: doesn't that mean you're drunk
4: no Means I was drunk yesterday.
0: Now, at the most prestigious prep school in the country.
4: Yes, Tinkerbell.
5: That poster charts everyone's performance.
4: Where the students are rewarded for following the rules. What kind of a sick school is this? He's going to teach them a lesson. There will be no gold stars or demerits. That will rock their world. It's called Rock Band.
1: Is this a school project?
4: It will go on your permanent record. Hello, Harvard,
1: yo. You. What's your
0: name?
4: Zach. You ever play electric guitar? My
0: dad won't let me. Zach?
4: Do not walk away from
3: me when I'm talking to you.
0: What makes you mad more than anything in the world? No allowance. Chores. Bullies. All you bullies get out of my way because I am really ticked off.
2: I think that that is a marvelous film, one that I wish I wrote. And the scene, if I have to choose one, would be his first day on the job. When he walks into the classroom, he's all, you know, mad energy. He's this, he's this wannabe rock star who hasn't really made it and he is bottoming out a little bit and he's put in front of the harshest audience you could possibly ever hope to face and it's a, a bunch of children and he has to pretend to be their teacher. But mm. it's, a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely comedy and uh, Jack Black He's a force of nature And My god I just remember In the cinema In Capital and Cork Watching that And just thinking He is so fucking He's so fucking charismatic mm. That he's just He's The way that he wins The kids over to his side By becoming more of himself And less of pretending To be the school teacher You know he's writing His name on the blackboard And he's like yeah. He's just so emphatically Like enthusiastic And it's like Yeah That's 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 exactly what I'm talking about Mm-hmm and just pulling these kids out of their shell, I also thought it was quite progressive. I remember there was a very flamboyant gay kid in there, yeah. And instead of like mocking them, he was just like, "You're gonna be our, you're gonna be our costume maker, and it's fucking great, and yeah. you're the most important person." on all these like lovely little moments of the black girls, like you're like Aretha Franklin.
1: Yeah, the, the film never m- laughs down at any of these unusual kids. Exactly,
2: yeah. it takes it all seriously, and it doesn't go for the cheap laughs of. You know, what a bully would find funny. All
1: right,
3: you guys, let's kick it into overdrive.
0: What are the rest of us supposed to do?
4: You just sit back and enjoy the magic of rock. You mean we're not in a band? Now, hold up now. Just because you're not in the band doesn't mean you're not in the band.
1: We need backup singers who can sing. You, sing. Sing.
5: The sun'll come out. Yes. Tomorrow. Bet your
0: bottom dollar that tomorrow. Stop.
1: You've got it. And I don't even know what it is, but you've got it. And that's why you're in the band. You sing.
0: amazing
5: Grace. How sweet the
1: sound. Let's stop. D- Before I start crying, because I've found the missing ingredient. You're in the band. I can sing. You can? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Summer, belt it.
0: Memory all alone in the moonlight. Stop, stop.
4: Okay, good. That's pretty good. All
0: right.
6: (laughs) I can also play clarinet, you know.
4: I'll find something for you. When we get back from lunch, I'll assign the rest of you killer positions.
1: And he becomes incredibly passionate when... The opportunity to uh, engage his passion, which is music, becomes a, a way for him to exploit his children. Because before that, he is just checked out. He is just—he's got his feet up on the table. He just wants—he's got a hangover. I know he's talking about a hangover. <laughs> it's, but it's you've just funny.
2: mentioned something there, which I think is indicative of all undercover scenes. There's a element of exploitation that's going on. Mm, There's always yeah. a victim in this. And yeah. it's just you want to feel like either the person that is doing the victimizing uh learns from it when they're exposed, because inevitably they're gonna get exposed um if it's that kind of movie. Or uh the person that who is being exploited deserves it. But in this, yes. it's like um everybody benefits from him bullshitting his way into that classroom. Yeah. So it's 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 a lovely undercover story.
1: I never even registered this film when I was thinking about this topic. And I looked at lots of lists and it never came up. That's a good pick, Kevin. Thank you. Very, very good pick.
2: All right. So I'll see you here next week. All right. Good luck. It's right. Okay. Listen, <laughs> okay. I have an Uber coming. So uh, you turn off the lights. and uh, I will, yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. I have the business. I'll just finish up myself. I know. I'll, I'll finish up myself. Hey, before <laughs> we leave... I have one last
2: Oh my God
1: (laughs) pick this is my pick for best undercover scene I felt so confused
2: talking about my pick that I felt like oh the episode's over great we're done take it away and finished
1: (laughs) (sighs) this film went to the top of my list because I don't think we have discussed this filmmaker enough in the show uh, up to now and since he passed away this past summer I felt You know what Oh I thought this film was great I know you going And I am going to put this fucking film At the top of my list And it is William Freakins To Live and Die in LA Oh
3: I'm going to bag Rick Masters We got a chance to make him On a hand-to-hand buy
5: You can't come up with the front money You're not for real
3: You're not the first agents to
4: get next to Masters. You're not wired, are you?
1: This is a fucking incredible fucking film. It really is. And it's a... Would consider it to be a really low budget independent film because it wasn't financed directly financed by a major studio because deals his career had kind of floundered he wasn't a box office success anymore and um, he did deal with 20th Century Fox I I think um, and this film kind of fell out of he had to basically finance it independently so it stars William Peterson who up to that point was unknown who went on to star in Manhunter uh, Willem Defoe also uh, unknown uh, John Pankow. And it is about a secret service agent, who is William Peterson, who goes all out to bring down a counterfeiter who killed his partner. That's essentially what's driving this. Sorry, this.
2: can I? Did you say a secret service agent?
1: Yeah, he's a secret. He's secret service. Yeah, secret service is in like his presence detail type. Right he's one of that part of the organization yeah I know it felt unusual to me because I was watching at the time going why are the secret service doing this chasing this counterfeiter and all that I just thought that he was like um, in a special branch of the police force that deals with like drugs and counterfeit shit yeah it's secret service so he's kind of like he's going off so he ends up basically taking on this uh, trying to track down this counterfeiter
2: it's a revenge team essentially it's very arch and it has this sort of like Miami Vice type um, electro poppy sound and it's very bright and colourful and um, I remember watching it and thinking this does not feel like a William Freaking film this feels like one where he is he has um, bended the knee to the to the trend of the times Mm -hmm. and tried to make a, a mainstream sort of cop film Mm -hmm. And then this Gordian knot just tightens more and more around William Peterson's character. And it takes several turns and ends up at a point where I was genuinely like jaw slack watching what happened and thinking, what the fuck? Oh my God. And I love... I don't think we should spoil it. No, don't spoil it. I loved it for that. Because... Yeah, It's so rare to, to, to be knocked sideways by a film, by the turns of a film. And um, yeah, and even indicating that there is a big twist in this. Kind of like, we'll, we'll have you looking out for it. But uh, no, I loved the film. I thought it was fantastic. And I forgot about bringing it up on this. I
1: thought I felt... I thought it was, in my head, I'd always said, oh, this is a Michael Mann film. For some reason, I thought it was a Michael yeah, Mann film. Yeah, it
2: feels like a Michael Mann film. It feels like yeah, it. Yeah,
1: it really does. The performances in this are incredible. We, we, William Peterson is amazing. Uh, Willem Dafoe is incredible in it. But it's this journey. It, how it's, it's very
2: arch as well, though, in places. It, it, very much so. Isn't there, like, um, a terrorist plot at the beginning and a guy blows himself <laughs> yeah. up uh, on the ledge of a building? And it, it feels like something out of a, a Chuck Norris film.
1: It, it does, but that is also the eighties, Kevin. Is. That is also the eighties. But it's the, this depiction of this character who the Secret Service. We kind of see the Secret Services as this, the the White Knights, the pure of the pure, the best of the best of the of the special forces. And how oh, I've never trusted him since they killed JFK. And how he he goes on this slippery slope down into this under underbelly and starts to go uh basically under his own command to try and track down this killer and he really goes to dark dark places the scene that i fucking love and adore in this film is the big is twist is how is not the big <laughs> twist it's the scene where they are intercepting and it, it, this is him gone fucking rogue because he needs 30 grand he can't get 30 grand from his superiors to kind of continue on his mission so he he manufactures his own heist of 30 grand from some some guy that he heard is coming in with 30 grand and he hijacks him from an airport takes him to you know underneath this bridge he's
2: been given bad information he's
1: now for all intents and purposes a full on criminal underground criminal yeah. and what happens is it all goes to shit and following that we have one of the most amazing car chases that I have ever seen where they end up driving down the wrong way on a, a Los Angeles freeway
2: it's done in a similar style to uh, it's French Connection it's also a three way chase in that yeah. they're chasing somebody and they're being chased by somebody else and it, it's a full on shootout because something gets revealed <clears throat> in mm-hmm. in that heist we'll say and mm-hmm. uh, and the, the shit hits the fan again and again and again and again and again and again, and again, and again, and again. And it just keeps getting more and more fucked the situation gets more and more fucked after that from that point on because they're they're there are partners they're new partners and they end up not being able to fully trust each other
4: yep come on two hands take your shirt off oh
0: that's great that's it get your pants down Get your fucking pants down. Let's get, get the fuck your down pants out of here. Down. <laughs>
1: I was talking about how characters need to change and William Peterson's character he's fucking he definitely changes DNA is, is changed and corrupted all I can say is watch this film if you've never seen it yeah. watch it it is incredible William Friedkin was an amazing filmmaker and an amazing director and I'm I, I, and I'm putting him at the top of our best list right now as a little tribute and a farewell to William Friedkin he was uh, an incredible addition to the filming community I love this film I love that scene, and it had me on the edge of my seat, which is what all good undercover scenes should do. This film had me on the edge of my seat from beginning to fucking end, with my jaw on the floor. And I, oh, oh, when when that thing happened, my, I audibly went, "Oh my god!" Like, and I was in a room on my own. I went, "Oh my fucking god!" Yeah, and um, yeah,
4: great, 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 great grateful. When I read Gerald Petovich's novel, "To Live and Die in L.A.," I, f- I first thought. It's very authentic. What attracted me to it, though, was the absolutely surrealistic nature of the job of a Secret Service man outside of Washington. Right there, fella! The Secret Service is under the Treasury. All bad bills and false checks and counterfeit credit cards comes under them, as does the protection of the president. That's what attracted me to this. It was a kaleidoscope of various types of crime, from the importance of the country at stake to a $50 bad check. I have found that the nature of cops and criminals is very similar. They understand each other's lingo as though they're brethren, and even the good cops, are guys who are walking a very fine line most of the time u.s secret service i'm arresting this guy for counterfeiting. so that kevin closes the book on
1: best undercover scene <laughs> was it good for you <laughs>
2: yeah that was good for me <laughs> call me a uh, deep toes yeah right okay done enjoyed that yeah yes it's we've got a good selection of themes in the old big wheel, haven't we? We have so many. It's great. Now give it a spin and let's see what I'm gonna do for the next episode.
1: Okay. I'm gave it everything I had. Look at the old body. That's shoulder and dislocated by
2: turning that wheel. We're gonna have to start removing these from the wheel because there's so many like dead topics in the there.
1: Oh, we have to start
2: proving it. This we is what, episode fifty-four?
1: God only knows. You know, well
2: fuck it if I don't know no point asking you
1: yeah next episode you have got best are you ready for
2: this yes death scene that's death scene okay that's good that's every film ever that's one of the big big pillars of the scene topics yeah that's huge actually yeah because if you say to somebody everyone loves good death scene name types of scenes they go sex scenes fight scenes death scenes yeah so death scenes is a big one so that means no pressure no pressure can I say I don't want to do well maybe I shouldn't put parameters on there already. but I want to separate death scenes I want to pull it away from like horror films brilliant yeah can I do that let's do that
1: you can do whatever you want otherwise it'll just be like
2: it'll be like another time travel episode where I'm listing like 250 different films well,
1: I'll tell you this. I know I'm not going to be bringing up too many horror films because I've only seen about five. King
0: Kong. When
1: King Kong falls out of the middle, that's a good thing. I liked the one in Fright Night because it wasn't that scary.
2: Which Fright Night? <laughs> the remake of the original? First one. First one. Not, not, not the scary. One. Very good. I don't like scary stuff. I also like the remake.
1: The remake is very fun. The Colin Farley. <gasps> because that was particularly not scary. In
2: fact, I found it very funny. This, so... this is my alter ego. I am the alright I'll be back next week alright take care listen listen, wait wait a second follow us on Patreon and uh, no don't follow us uh, subscribe to us on Patreon and um, and give us a, a a like or whatever on one of the apps and give us a 5 star rate because fucking hell like we need it
1: Truly is your under. This is actually Kevin's real life voice, as a matter
2: of fact. If this episode is running long, I'm gonna try and make it longer by adding in a clip here from the latest <laughs> Patreon episode. Go on. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll talk to you.
1: <laughs> oh, very good. Okay. It's Dead
2: Seed. I can't fucking wait. I want to top myself already.
1: <laughs> I'm just thinking about this editing I already wanted to. Who
2: well, fuck that. knows? You won't even bother. You'll just like fucking slap it together and throw a few trailers and go like, there, you're done. Yeah, yeah, as it should, as nature intended. <laughs> An abomination against nature. That's what my episodes are. You get what you get.
1: Right. See you next time. Best deaths. Next time.
2: Goodbye. On the best bits the best bits podcast is produced by will and kevin our audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended if you enjoyed this episode please consider becoming a patreon member where
1: you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to and you'll receive access to our discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners search the best bits podcast on patreon or click on the link in the show notes
5: and here is a clip from the lads' latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more,
2: are available on their Patreon. Mini Bits. Another, Another new episode. episode. Talk you, Patreon Of this Patreon
5: podcast. Exclusive. Exclusive. The best Bits podcast will be-
1: Kevin, how are you? Hi, honey. How are you? Oh, you know, I've got this, I've got my corn sorted out. I went to the Chiraptist the other day and uh, she your said... corn? Uh, my corns. Do you, you ever get corns? No. Did you know what a corn is?
2: Yeah, it's a bunion on your foot, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like in between your toes and stuff like that.
2: Do, um, you, do you not wear any shoes like around the house you walk No,
1: I, I, I wear, no, it's the opposite. GA shorts. It's the opposite. I wear incredibly tight shoes. Like those Chinese women who get their feet bound, who had their feet bound, like you know, before the turn of this last century. And so they had incredible corns and bunions. This is a great opener for a mini-bits episode where we get people disgusted.
2: Squally, it's episode 73 of the Mini Bits. (laughs) I'm Kevin, you're Will. This is our Patreon podcast. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. A few of you have jumped in recently. I don't know what we said. We try to goad people into joining up every single episode and then every so often it's like a lot of people join because of one specific episode. And yeah. I'm like, what did we, how did we say it? What did we say on that episode? It's different <laughs> to the other 270 episodes. <laughs> maybe it
1: didn't Go. sound as desperate. Maybe we said don't, jo-. maybe may- reverse psychology. That's how we should do it. Reverse psychology. Don't join up to our patron. Don't. <laughs> Cancel. You don't. Des- Everybody cancel. You don't deserve to be in this group. We don't want you. We don't we like don't the look need of you. you.
2: We don't. We don't need anybody.
1: <laughs> it's just us. It's absolutely just us. Hey, should we tell people we we did? I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't say it on Mike, especially early. We did an interview with the Irish Examiner last Friday. We did. Yeah. And uh, how do you
2: think yeah. I? How do you think I did? I, I, I think you did all right. Like you didn't interrupt me once. So I was <laughs> delighted with how I came across. But, you know, there's no sort of time limit on this. We don't know when it's going to get posted. One of our friends was saying, Kathy at the cinema was saying that their interview with, did they do the Examiner as well? It was six uh, months yeah. before it posted. And,
1: and the Guardian, I'm pretty sure. They were, they were profiled in the gar- Guardian as well.
2: Yeah, but we don't do any really promotion. Like nah. we don't do
1: anything. Well this is our first time getting any sort of like proper coverage which is going to be mad. So um uh listen to all you listeners who have uh, found us before we explode. You're you're you're, you're an OG. Bust. You're an OG <laughs> listener before Kevin starts getting gold chains from all his <laughs> Patreon
2: dash. I think I'm more of a silver than a gold, I think oh, yeah. my uh, undertones suit more silver. But, uh, yeah. I just want to die. Goes my Prince Albert. I, your hat. <laughs> yeah. I Speaking want of which,
1: of the, I want one of those diamond studs in my tooth. That's all I want, so I can go bing
2: whenever I'm on a call. Oh uh, yeah, bing. I usually just, you know, wink and like lynch. <laughs> yeah, starlight twinkle. <laughs>
1: Speaking of which, I interrupted you. What, what what did what did you want to speak of? Which start the
2: time. Oh. I forgot. She you just may as well.
1: Start the timer. They, all,
2: all these lucky losers are listening in and, and they're wondering, what are we going to be talking about? But We have to start talking about them after yeah. we we say goodbye. But look, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, you've seen a few things. You've seen the new Godzilla film. Yes. I've seen the first Omen. Uh, I saw Scoop as well. That, oh, uh, we're looking Netflix
1: forward to watching that. Okay.
2: Okay. I'll save my thoughts. And right. um
1: what else did I see?
2: I made notes, but sure. It Jeez, doesn't really matter. I think I saw it. And I was going to go through all the summer releases and see what oh, takes your fancy.
1: Okay, okay. I'm looking forward because I don't actually know what's what's on the horizon. So um, I'm Well, the Joker hear-
2: 2 trailer came out today.
1: I saw it. Yes, I watched that.
2: Mm-hmm. It reminded me of Chicago.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like you see it's all very much in the mind's eye. It, they're calling it a jukebox musical. Am I right in saying that?
2: I think you're right in saying that.
1: So, look. Like, Hey, listen. I uh, I actually what it, what it did remind me of <laughs> was that I want to watch rewatch the Joker because I saw it in the cinema and I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was kind of a bold new
2: direction. Uh, I'm just going to go back and watch the episodes from the Batman 66 show, the Joker episodes. Oh yeah, that's going to be just to fill me in, get in get, like on the lore. You know, get up to get, speed. Get you right up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be there going where?
1: Where are all the guys in the purple suits with the masks? Where when are they going to show up?
2: And like, it's you know- a bit of a weird time though, where we have the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell coming out, which is a totally different canon version of the Penguin. Then you have this offshoot of Joker, which is in its own universe entirely. Mm. Uh, and then you have the old Batman films that you can watch. Right. And, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just I don't know. I'm there's so many IP.
1: But like it's this, just everywhere, what well what's happened is the world, the comic book world has very much entered the the film world. It's where you could have different runs, totally different runs of a character by it's different authors, and there would be totally different riffs on it and stuff. Oh it's oh, just this is the insane. thing, Kevin. <laughs> so I'm only catching up on this. You mentioned it to me on a on a pod on a podcast. Wait, was it on one of those? Uh, it was the show last. Show?
2: It was the last mini bits. Yeah, uh, you, s-
1: you said everyone's describing stuff as insane recently, I- and have you started noticing it though? Only, only, only with people trying to rise you. That's the only type, only where place where I've noticed people, no, people on Discord trying every- to rise oh you. Oh my
2: god! Oh my god! I could start posting now like um, tweets, comments, TikToks, uh, <sighs> articles, anything. Insane is everywhere. This is insane. That's insane. It's insane. There was a festival just going on about this insane lineup. Okay. I was like, oh, it's a mentally ill lineup. Okay, <laughs> it's just it's it's everywhere. And the other, th- do you know the other thing that's also bothering me lately? Wow. wow. And this has been bothering me for years and years and years. It used to be that everyone used to misspell definitely. They'd go defiantly. Okay. Oh, it's defiantly whatever. They would just they're morons. But no, I just keep noticing everyone keeps spelling a lot as one word, A-L-O-T, a l o t, a lot. Where has where have they? gotten into their heads that a lot is one word it's the same way that people will write every time as one word
1: what's the one that you've you've pulled me up on a few times and i can't get it right compliment compliment i can't <laughs> but i can't get it right it's like the i because i told you the other day yeah and i went searching for it and i couldn't find this because i had to actually had an, to use
2: it if there's an i in
1: compliment it's yeah. i'm
2: paying you Ah, a compliment
1: that's a good way to remember it okay good and then compliment I, I wrote that to you but you did and I went to try and find it because I was—I would found myself writing the word
2: compliment and I went shit Kevin but, I, but you, you gave me a thumbs up which meant in my world that yeah I read that thanks but I did right I'm talking about a couple of days later
1: when I was faced with the exact same hurdle of writing the word compliment I went okay what did Kevin say again about compliment there's an I and the E what did he say So I went searching for it and I found it, I think. And I went, oh, the eye is paying me a compliment or I'm giving you a compliment. It's
2: insane how little you can retain information. It's insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come here, let's start talking about what we watched. Come on. Did you start
2: the timer? Yeah, it's it's gone. It's ticking. It's ticking down. The world's going oh, to explode. You know, I have to put in the sound effect. I have to. I have to line oh. up all oh, my sound effects. When you said start the like, timer, I have a whole
0: fucking. I have a whole soundboard. Here. Okay. A, Jesus Christ, where's my fucking? what Where's my ding dang ding?
2: Here we go. How
1: the timer has started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Right.